This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. who's his and he knows who's not he doesn't pretend safe like well i'm gonna save him but i know he's not really mine i know he's gonna walk away and he doesn't do that you're not saved you never were because he knows but for those who are his you are cleansed You're, you're clean in that moment you're his positionally you're bound for heaven and he's going to begin a work on you that is going to be a constant cleansing there's going to be a constant cleansing You don't need the bath all over again. You just need your feet washed. And see, what happens to your feet is important because it affects the way you walk. If your feet are drying and cracking and all of that, it's hard to walk. Doubt can be a terrible device of the devil. Doubt can pollute our hopeful and joyful mindset that's fixed on God. If we aren't diligent with our faith, doubt can roll in like a heavy storm cloud and rain on our parade. When we ask Jesus to be our Savior, the world's troubles don't stop. Yet God wants the very best for His children. Pastor Troy reminds us that our salvation is sealed with God, but our sanctification is a daily journey with the Lord that requires our whole lives. Today, push off the doubts of the world and pursue Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 13 as he begins his message, Letting Jesus Wash Us. Today we're talking about letting Jesus wash us. So we're in John chapter 13 verses 6 through 17. So at salvation, you know, when we're born again, we get a new start. It's a brand new start. And we are what the scripture calls cleansed. We're clean. Uh, It's a new start, a new slate, the new man. But there's also a process that we go through. It's a cleansing process. It's the process the Bible calls sanctification. We're being transformed. We're being changed, cleansed. We've been very filthy because of the the ideas and philosophies of the world that have corrupted our thought processes, we still got a lot of stuff to work out. And the Word of God helps us, and, and Jesus fills us with His Holy Spirit so that we can work these things out through the process of sanctification. It's a process of being cleansed. Salvation has to do with our eternal position. You're in Him. You're in Christ. You're saved. Sanctification has to do with our current condition. We're in the world. It's messy. There are lots of ideas coming in, and sometimes they trip us up. Most of the sanctification process, if we were to reduce it down to its irreducible minimum, the sanctification process could really be defined this way. It is about getting us to stop being consumed about us and to start considering others. Consider the Lord and consider others and to stop thinking so much about us. Like, I need to do this and I need to accomplish this and I want this for the end of my life and I want to retire and I want to do and I, 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 I. The sanctification process is about us learning to let go of I, all the I stuff, and to embrace His stuff to be about the Father's business. In verse 4 and 5, we see that Jesus rose up after supper and 
poured water into a basin and began to wash his own disciples' feet. Now, just so you understand the context here, that was really the job of a servant or the lowest man on the totem pole. See, that person who would wash the feet wasn't even addressed normally. Put your feet out and you get them washed, but then you're talking to the important people in the room, the ones who had just had their feet washed so they could be there for the business meeting or whatever. And so it was someone that wasn't even really all that acknowledged. It was a servant. And yet Jesus takes this role, this place, and he washes his own disciples' feet. Now, Pilate used a basin. If you remember at Jesus' trial, Pilate used a basin on himself. He washed his own hands, but really he washed himself. I'm not guilty here. So I wash my hands. I'm an innocent man, innocent of this man's blood. His was the basin of self-interest, of self-preservation. But Jesus uses the basin to actually benefit others. He pulls the water aside for the benefit of others, not for himself. It's the basin of self-sacrifice. And this is the clean that sanctifies. This is the clean that really makes a difference in your life, what Jesus can do. And we're going to talk about a few keys to letting Jesus wash you so that you can really grow so that you can really thrive in the sanctification process. Look at verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So the first thing we need to understand if we're going to be able to let Jesus wash us is that humility is foundational. Humility is foundational. Peter, he had a problem speaking out and speaking up and speaking boldly, even speaking confidently about things he really didn't have enough information to speak about. He spoke out with confidence, but he didn't know what he was talking about. In Matthew 16, Jesus told his disciples, now Jesus is speaking. Usually when he speaks, he knows what he's talking about. But he's speaking to his disciples about the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to die at their hands. Well, Peter stepped in, no, this will never happen to you. The idea is that I'm here, we're here, no no way, it's not going to happen. Peter's thinking worldly. Jesus is thinking the plan of God, plan of the Father. And that was his famous get behind the Satan moment for Peter. You know, it wasn't that Peter had a, um, any ill will. Peter wasn't trying to deceive. Peter wasn't trying to control. Peter had a good heart in the whole conversation, I believe. But the problem was Peter spoke up and he was wrong. It wasn't that he was being mean or malicious or anything else. He had good intentions, but he was wrong. In Matthew chapter 17, at the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah are there, and there's this, the way I see it, it was like a, a, a heavenly staff meeting right there, but on planet Earth, right there. Everything's different right there. Jesus, Moses, Elijah, well, Peter sees this, and Peter is thinking, this is, this is great to behold, wonderful to be here in this moment. Uh, you want us to build uh, little tabernacles for, for you guys? And the idea is you could stay, you could involve yourselves in the, just stay here for a while. This is wonderful. Let's go ahead and take over now. Well, the father had to butt in on that one from heaven. And the father from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. In other words, 
Stop your rambling, Peter, and listen. Listen to what my son has to say. Listen to what this is about. Stop jumping in, speaking out, trying to make plans when you don't know anything right now. Moses and Elijah are probably looking at Peter going, are you sure he's going to be one of the 12? Is that the, is that the betrayer? <laughs> Instead of just letting things sink in, Instead of just learning first, listening, Peter was outspoken and he would speak before he really understood what was going on. Peter needed to learn humility. He needed to learn to take things in and to receive things and receive them from the Lord specifically before speaking and anticipating. Jesus replied to Peter, you don't understand this right now, but you will. The idea is trust me. It can look like Peter is being humble if you just casually read over this. Oh, look at Peter. You should not be washing my feet. I'm beneath you, Lord. Not you washing me. How humble. It's not humble at all or Jesus wouldn't have responded the way that he did to him. See, humility is often misunderstood. Some think that humility is about thinking lowly of ourselves. That's humility, thinking lowly of myself so that, so that if someone dare thank you, you, you almost badger them with the fact that, that it was the Lord, not me. How could you even think such a thing? Don't thank me. It's the Lord. You know, someone asks a simple, they come up and just say, hey, thank you for your ministry. Thanks for that song. Oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. Nothing good comes for me. I am Nothing. I don't even deserve to be at the doorsteps of heaven. The glory goes to the Lord. And it's almost like a rebuke. Like, oh, I'm so sorry for saying thank you. That's not humility. That's thinking a lot about how much you know about how God does everything. And they should have known that. But they didn't. But you did. How non-humble of them. But humble of you. That's not humility. It's a false sense of pride. Here's a question. Did you practice Yeah, I practiced. Did you give your best? Yeah, man, my fingers were hurting after the third song because we practiced and we wanted to get it right. Did you say yes to the Lord? You could have been doing other things, but maybe now you've committed to the Lord. Well, yeah, I said yes to the Lord. Then thank you. What's so hard about saying you're welcome? That can be humbling, actually. It's like, I feel like I have just taken something I shouldn't. How humbling that is. Just say thank you. And then... You can add to that, and you can turn it into a thank fest. As they thanked you for your ministry, whatever it was that you did, you can turn and thank them for sharing their heart and for encouraging you. That's a great gift. And just thank them. And then you go away where the real issue of humility and pride take place with the Lord. And instead of going, man, that was so awesome. I did, they, they were thankful, man. They were thanking me. Oh, I love you, Lord. They were thanking me. I did great. Instead of that, then you go off to the side and you go, Lord, thank you. I don't deserve to be doing anything. Then you can be real with him. But not there in front of the people where it's like, I don't deserve anything. I'm just a mat, a doormat. You'll probably walk over me when you go into heaven. That's false humility and it just puts people off. It's not real. Others think that humility is thinking so lowly of yourself that no task is beneath you. Now it's not just about the act, but it's about the task. I'm so humble I'll do the menial job. I know anyone else could, but I'll do it. I'll do the lowest job here. You give it to me. Well, both toilets are backed up. (laughs) 
That's the low task. All right, I'll do it. Or I'll, 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 I'll let you have the bigger piece. I really like that cake, but I'm humble. Or I'll wear the cheaper brand. I, I, I want that one. Everyone likes that one, but I'll wear the cheaper brand because I'm humble. Or I'll let you have your way. I'm right, but this is how humble I am. I'm going to let you be right. I'm going to let you win. I'm humble. That is not humility. Did you notice how much the emphasis on what I'm doing? I am going to be humble. No, you're being proud. Isn't it weird? We can even be proud about humility. True humility has been defined as this. Not thinking of yourself at all. You heard about heroes, right? Um, they'll, they'll interview a hero. He, he walks, he, he goes into a fire and, and, and saves a couple of lives and comes out. And the question is, what, what made you do that? What were you thinking about? Did you think about your life? They said, I didn't think about me at all. I just saw a fire. I knew there was someone in there. I went in there. They, I didn't know if anyone else. I just went in there. I didn't think about me. We can do it. We call it heroism. Uh, the Lord would call it humility. Actually, he'd probably call it what's supposed to be Christianity. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message, so be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible, and you can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later, or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way, you'll never miss a teaching, and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. Following Him, humility. We're called to live humbly in this life. Not thinking so much about us. If Peter had truly been humble, he might have said this instead. When the Lord started to wash his feet, maybe he would have said, Lord, uh, I can do that if you want. But, you know, if not, then you're the Lord. You do what you want. And in his own heart, he would have been thinking, I should have thought of that. Why didn't I think of that? But he would have learned from it. Humility allows us to learn. Because we observe and we go, I should be more like that. Humility doesn't walk around going, they should be more like me. I know more. I do more. I don't get sad. I don't, whatever it is, that's all pride. It's all about how you are better than someone else. But humility understands, I've got a lot to learn. and becomes very real when someone else does something and you see it and you go, wow, I've got a lot to learn. A lot more to learn. See, a lot of our growth is caught not just taught. You know, you can sit and listen to a lecture, listen to a Bible study, and not really grow. Get good information, take notes, put them aside afterwards and go and not be humble. So most of it comes, and even Jesus taught not just by lecture, but he showed, and this was one of those circumstances. This would be a lesson they would look back on and, and get, understand, make sense to them. But a lot of our growth is caught, not taught. And that's why the best way we can help others learn and see is to do, not to tell. To do it ourselves and to help and to show rather than to command. All Peter needed to do in this moment was just acknowledge that Jesus was right. He needed a foot washing. That was true. And he should do it. He should have thought of it. But 
He could have offered himself, but if Jesus wanted to wash his feet, he needed to take it in. In fact, Jesus adds to this whole picture, this illustration that he's painting here, because he says, okay, all right, you say you have to do this, then just wash all of me, Lord, was the idea. Wash my hands, my head, wash all of me. Go for it. Jesus adds the picture saying, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So Peter turns and says, go for it. But Jesus is going to have a response to that. He's painting a picture. And the idea is, in order for you to have a part with him, you have to recognize your need of being cleansed by him. If you don't recognize that need, you have no relationship with him because every relationship with Christ revolves around the idea that I need to be cleansed personally. Not that, use me to get the world, Lord. No, no, he's working on you. He's going to work in you. The trials that come, the challenges that come, they're because he's working in you. And we need to recognize that. So the first step for salvation is to recognize you're a sinner. Well, no, I'm not that bad. We're not saying you're that bad. You could be the golden standard of morality and someone who helps any and everybody. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're going to hell. So you have to understand your need for a cleansing. And that is, your way, as good as it seems, is so good, your way, that it's keeping you from the Lord, because you think you're good enough. That's the worst form of pride, because it sends you straight to hell. And whenever you realize, Lord, you created, it's your world, it's your way, I've never listened to you once, then you're open for the bath, the full cleansing. But there's also the sanctification process. You're walking, you're getting your feet dirty, you're getting your attitude out of alignment, and the Lord wants to be part of, and in fact, you cannot have a relationship with Him that doesn't consist of His continuing to cleanse you. Humility is foundational. Pride, however, is, is like the brake pedal on growth. It's like you're hitting the brakes. I want you to grow. We're going we're gonna to humble you. Wait a minute, my pride is, well, I already know that. I already do that. I'm too important for that. Urk. Well, what about my way? Urk. The brakes. You want to grow? It's got to be less of you, more of him. So Peter, sensing that he has just put his foot in his mouth, he knew the taste all too well. He had that foot and mouth disease. He decides to do what only Peter can do. Realize he has another foot to put in his mouth. And so he does. He says, well, then wash my whole body. If it's got to be done, just go for it. And what does Jesus say? Does Jesus go, well, all right, big guys, what have I been waiting for? No. He says in verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Not talking about all of Peter, but all of them. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Second thing we need to get if we're going to let Jesus wash us is we need to understand that cleansing is essential. It's essential. You might wash yourself during Jesus' time for a special feast or celebration. You've bathed, you've cleansed yourself, but you have to walk. And they didn't have tennis shoes. They had sandals, open shoes. And sometimes maybe they didn't wear shoes at all. And so the feet got very dusty, very dirty, and that would cause dry and cracking feet also. So it was very important to wash the feet and even anoint with oil, a fragrant oil would be even beneficial. So this simple 
common act by a servant who wouldn't normally be acknowledged. It's just what you're supposed to do. Jesus takes upon himself and shows them, you need your feet washed. The spiritual truth that Jesus is illustrating, bringing alive for them is when you come to Christ, when you know him, then you're bathed. You're already bathed. He cleanses you. Speaking to the Corinthians about all that they used to be and do, Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians 6.11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So you've already had the bath. Peter, you believe. Not all of you. We know about Judas. They didn't know, but he did. You're cleansed. You're clean, but your feet are dirty. And you need this kind of cleansing, this continual cleansing. But though we're cleansed, we walk in this world, we pick up its dirt, we pick up its ideas, its agendas, and we need it washed off. And Jesus is the one who stooped first to take care of us. Here, he does it with water, the feet, the role of a servant. But ultimately, it was a picture of his going to the cross, dying for the sins of all of us to cleanse us. Now, You don't need to get saved every week. You don't need to get saved all over again each time. There's only one bath. There's one cleansing. Jesus isn't fooled. He doesn't save you. And then all of a sudden, he didn't anticipate your departure. He didn't know that. And so he saved you, but, oh, man, you you didn't see that. He tricked you. Saved you, made you feel comfortable, but then you walked away. He didn't know that. So now he's going to try to save you again. The Bible seems to say that if you get saved and can lose your salvation, you can't get it back. So it's only happened once. You only get saved once. So choose when wisely. (laughs) But you get saved and he knows who's his and he knows who's not. He doesn't pretend safe, like, well, I'm going to save him, but I know he's not really mine. I know he's going to walk away. And do-. He doesn't do that. You're not saved. You never were, because he knows. But for those who are his, you are cleansed. You're, you're clean in that moment. You're his. Positionally, you're bound for heaven, and he's going to begin a work on you that is going to be a constant cleansing. There's going to be a constant cleansing. You don't need the bath all over again. You just need your feet washed. And see, what happens to your feet is important because it affects the way you walk. If your feet are drying and cracking and all of that, it's hard to walk. Stuff's between your toes and you're walking awkward, it it hinders you. And so cleansing the feet for the sake of our walk is very important. You get saved once, there's a continual cleansing. And that's why Jesus says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Refusing to let him wash you separates us from him. Even after salvation, we can still find ourselves distant from him because he wants to cleanse. He wants to change. He wants to clean. And we say, I don't want that. And there can be some distance driven between us and him. So how do we let this continually cleansing happen? This continual cleansing. First John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not so much for the first time born again by in. This is also for the believer who has let sin or walking in the world. You got to go and we got to maintain this relationship by going to him and confessing. Now, this confession here is not just, Lord, 
I confess I'm a sinner. And the obvious things, like I know I cut that guy off and then he came by me and I gave him a mean look. I, I forgive me for that, Lord. And I yelled at my kids, I'm sorry for that. Um, cleanse me, renew me, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not what it means. It means to spend some time with the Lord. Let him search you and bring up what he says is wrong with you. Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than other gospel books, John introduces his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles, because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the message to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in.